Tov, today's staff is Kufyotet 119 and the last staff of Babakama. Let's get going. Um, we pick up with a uh, bottom of Kufyotet and Mutbet, the two dots. Rabbi Huda Omir Baisus, Lokiman, Mibarth, and Lokiman. This is about purchasing things from shepherds. You have to be concerned that they are stolen. So, um, can you buy sheep? Can you buy milk? Can you buy wool? And Rabbi Huda says if their house, uh, so one explanation is if you buy a lot of sheep at a time, then you're allowed, you're allowed to do it because the owner will uh, know that notice that they're gone. One or two, it's a problem because they might be stealing it from the owner and they'll get away with it. Okay, so Rabbi Huda says if they're home animals, I guess quite kept close to town, um, then uh, you can buy because the owner will immediately be- realize it. Um, but if they're uh, a- animals that are just raised out in the wilderness, you borrow your same looking and you can't buy, the owner won't know they're gone. Um, so, Ibayalu, um, there is the question. Rabbi Huda, raise your kaiva, is he going on the first part? that you're allowed to buy like two animals uh, five animals and he's being strict you need two criteria both to be a lot of animals and they be home animals um, or is he going on the end you're not allowed to buy two or three and he's being lenient that so you're not allowed to buy two or three unless they're home animals and then you are okay is it both criteria are needed or either criteria is needed so you can buy four or five sheep from a shepherd um, so only if that's with an additional criteria Criteria, um, criterion that they are home animals. Avomidbarios, if they're animals that are generally kept out in the wilderness, a few arbor vachamishalo. Even four and five, you can't. You need both criteria in order to buy it. Odium, or a sevikai lukul of the end, and he's being lenient. To Amar, avaloshtate so, avaloshtagizim, you cannot buy two sheep or two bunches of wool. Haningili, midbarios, that's only if they're kept out in the wilderness. Avobaisos, if they're kept at home, shayim lamilokin, you can even buy two. Okay, so it's either that you buy a lot or they're animals that are at home. Tashma coming here. Tkanrib. You don't looking by Susman, you can buy home animals. They ain't looking in birth and not the animals from the wilderness. And anywhere you are, you can buy four or five. So that makes it very clear. It's one or the other. Either a large number or a small number with home animals. Anywhere you are, he's going on the end. That if it's a small number, it's okay if they're home animals. But but if it's a large number, that's okay wherever you are. And he's being lenient. Either criteria is enough. Okay. Good. You cannot buy from people that watch fruit. You can't buy wood and fruit. Okay? Because that's not... Uh, you're afraid. Where did they get the wood and fruit to sell? Presumably they took it from the garden they were supposed to be watching. Okay. Rav purchased a bundle of wood from a, a sharecropper. Um, you can't buy from people who watch fruit. You cannot buy from them the wood, wood and fruit. Sorry, isn't an Aris someone who actually owns this? That's the answer. The question is, what was even the question? Amalei, how do you leave a shomer? That's a normal, uh, you know, watcher, a paid, a paid watchman. Lay slave to for the Aramidi, that he doesn't get a portion in the grain, he in the uh, in the produce, he just gets a fee. He just gets a straight paycheck. Okay, aval Aris to easily begufa, but a sharecropper that gets a portion of the actual produce, um, Aimamidi not the He's selling his own produce. He's not necessarily 
necessarily selling, uh, he's not selling the owner's produce. So therefore, that's a reasonable uh, assumption and you can buy it. I have no idea. Here's another way you can buy from them. If they are obviously doing it in such a blatant public, out in the open way, that they must have been with the owner's, you know, knowledge, okay? So there they are. They've got a big fruit stand by the edge of the road, right? Fresh produce here. You know, what, is, what do they call it? Uh, farm stand or whatever, right? And they're doing it in total public. So nobody, so clearly the owner would have to be aware of this, all right? What? Well, that's an interesting question. Like, right, let's say this is like 20 miles out of town and, you know, but still, you, the assumption seems to be that if it's so public, the word would get to the owner. They would not be that brazen, okay? They're sitting and they're selling. It's not just like somebody, you know, bumps into you in an alley. They got a stand set up, okay? The baskets of fruit are in front of them, right? They got a permanent, they got like a real enterprise going there. The tortini they've got these big scales in front of them. That's okay, okay? The coolant Amru Hatmein, but whatever the circumstances are, if the guy says, keep it to yourself, okay, then also, then it's forbidden, okay? Now, Now, again, it's not clear to me whether you need these other conditions as well, right? You can buy from them if they're at the front of the, uh, of the garden, but not, you know, not in the back alley, not in the back entrance. Now, does that mean the front of the garment, bar, gar, the garden you can even buy like a, a like you know a little bundle of fruit without this whole setup right so you know it's like it's not clear like what the various collection of circumstances are it sounds like that's sufficient um itmar was taught this guy's a gazlin sort of like before you know we had the uh, what do you call it if you remember we had the tax collector and you could change money if you're doing it with, you know with in his house or money he's got in his normal wallet but not from the uh, basket you know not from the money funds that he, you know the, the, the uh, box that he puts all the uh, tax funds so here's a similar question some guy is known to be a goslin when can you buy things from him you don't know this object is stolen you know he does have his own stuff do you have to always be choshesh that he's selling you stolen goods now I assume that it has something to do with what types of things is he selling you you know is he selling you a used uh, potato peeler probably okay is he selling you a VCR brand new in the box probably not okay you know sell off a truck somewhere okay so anyway let's see what the Gemara says okay I know not VCR okay the iPhone new in the box Okay, Itmar Gazi, Maimasai Mutter Lik those men. When are you allowed? I gotta give equal foot you know, billing to Samsung. Maimasai Mutter Lik those men. When can you buy from him? Rabba Ma'achite Rov Mishalo. Until the majority of, now, what is that? The majority of things that he owns? The majority of things that he sells? It sounds like just the majority of things that he owns. Uh, does Rashi say? I don't know if Rashi even says. What? Rashi, um, Rashi says, uh, Okay, as long as most of his property. Okay, I don't know even how you measure that. Right, let's say the land and the house, which is obviously, you know, 70% of his net worth, that's his, but all of the uh, objects in the house are stolen. You know exactly how you measure it. Anyway, but Rav says it has to be more likely than not that he's selling you his own object, as the way I would explain it. Actually, say, Rav Um, uh, uh, you could have done business with Bernie Madoff. Very well.
what was most of his property his own? No, <laughs> most of his operation was actually legit. Oh, really? Yeah. Even if only a minority. Okay? Um, which is interesting, right? Because um, now the question is, I guess the question partly here is like, what Isser are you doing? And the thing that is absent from this entire Gemara, and it really came up like once many daf ago and it comes up in other Gemaras, is the problem of providing a market for stolen goods because, you know, the Gemara sort of says, the Gemara has a thing like, it's not the rat that steals, it's the hole that steals, you know, the, because, you know, if you don't provide a market, then you're not, you know, you are really making this an enterprise. So here the Gemara seems to be unconcerned with that, right? As long as, like we, we saw before, and we're going to see again, as long as the object underwent a shinoi and technically it's not stolen goods, you can, you can buy it and there's like this, there is absent from this discussion a concern of providing a market for the guy, okay? But, what, so, but the problem still is like what? Like, you don't want to be taking an object that belongs to somebody else. You'll also be stealing an object that belongs to somebody else. So why is it that you can even a, even a mute is enough? Is it going against the chazaka of chazaka masetach chasyaradam harayu shalow? Even when you know in fact that the majority of his stuff, where you assume is stolen, you know. In other cases, for example, the thing that this makes me think of is if I allow to lend you an object, if I if if it's there's more likely than not that you're going to use it to do an iser. Like for example, it's shmita and you are known to work your field on Shemitah and you ask me to borrow a hose or something can I lend it to you because more likely than not you're going to use it to do an Isra on Shemitah no maybe you're just going to use your hose to I don't know fill up your uh, you know your, your swimming pool in the backyard so actually there we tend to poskin in terms of that least either question that as long as it's like a po- reasonable possibility you know even if it's a minority possibility it's a, but it's a, even a small possibility you'll use it for Hetzer it's not least either okay but that's like a different thing that's like it's I am I a bet abetting your sin what are you going to use it for in the future how much do I have to anticipate and now I seen as a betting it's like a different cheshpun then am I pose- taking possession of stolen goods and if I and if the majority of the goods are stolen it's not clear to me why I'm allowed to rely on the minority possibility you know that they're not unless it's like you know the chazaka that what you're holding on is yours counters the majority reality that most of your goods are stolen I really don't understand the logic here okay but in, interestingly it's going to see seem that that's how we are how we paskin Shmuel Amar Afilu even if so, I mean, then what about the stuff over here like the Roas so. right I mean so then the question is that there the point is that all the property isn't his all of those sheep aren't his isn't that so, sheep ever yes I don't know exactly you know and I don't know that's a case where maybe other circumstances right how much does this discussion of Rove and Mio deal with like other circumstantial evidence of what's going on right so like that whole Cheshpan is absent alright um, right so Shmuel, your question is can Shmuel be abstracted to not the question of the majority of your property is yours or it's stolen but the question of it's 95% likely that you're selling me stolen goods but 5% likely that you're not yeah. right can you abstract that to just that question of how likely is it as opposed to what is the quantity of stolen goods that you have I don't know the answer to that this, then, you know, uh, harmonize with our Mishnah with the Roe and the whoever else it is and some, you know then it would be it's only if the Roe is only Roe other behemoths but if he puts his own animals in there right too, which is sort of my the question maybe about the Aris a little bit the question of the Aris before so it's yeah it's hard to know how to abstract and generalize this and it's really hard to know what the guiding principle here is okay 
even if only a minority is his. Because by the way, I should say right also, the shepherd, you don't know he's a goslin. So by the shepherd, you could say, even if it's 10% likely, maybe I should assume the best of people. Right? And I should assume 10% likely he's from his own sheep. Why shouldn't I assume that he's doing, that, that, that he's an honest guy? Here you know the guy's a goslin. You know, 70% of the goods in his home are stolen goods. Right? It seems very strange that you're allowed, even Miochalo, you can buy from him. What? I understand, but you know the majority are stolen, and he's a goslin. I, I, I find it hard to understand. Okay, what? And you may be keeping him in business. Okay. Oh, so Orile Rav Yehuda Ada Daila. So Rav Yehuda taught Ada, who is his uh, a attendant, a rabbinic attendant. Omer, a few Even as long as the minority is his, you can buy from a goslin. Okay. Fascinating. Now, a different question, which I don't know why it's related here. It should have gone on the previous sugya. Mamun Masur, the money of a person who is an informer. Now, you would normally assume the word informer means he informs of the government and hands somebody over to the government, which is in endangering somebody's life. Rashi points us to a discussion of in Avodazara that, which might remind you of the Rav Kahana story, that even if he's just handing property of somebody over to the government, that is he's considered a rodave because when you hand property of somebody that gets the government's claws into that person and eventually could endanger that person's life. So even somebody who's just Moser Mamun Chavero is considered as a Rodez. Okay, so he says this case of Moser is even just handing over property of somebody else to the government. So that person, Reuven, is handing over Shimon's property to the government. What's the story with Reuven's property? You can just willfully destroy Reuven's property. Like, presumably as some type of a punishment, even if you're not going to kill Ruvain in the act. Yeah, exactly. You could torture his field. Some type of societal, you know, way of controlling this. You understand this, right? You had to keep away from the government and, right, it endangered the Jewish community. So if we're allowed to, you know, kill Ruvain, as the governor of Odezara says, you know, because of that, so we can go ahead and torch his property. The Chadam or Asalab Dabiyad, you're not allowed. Mandam or Mutalab Dabiyad, Lo Ye Mamono Chamer Migufo, his money should not be more valuable than his person. So if you can actually you know, kill him in order to stop him, you can torture his property. Now, of course, the different argument could be you could kill him in the process when he's, you know, to stop him from doing it, like the Rodef who's in the act. You know, this is like an after-the-fact punishment. It's not exactly the same as stopping a person in the act. Okay, maybe or maybe it's a before-the-fact punishment. I don't know. Umand Amar Asurabdo, no, you can't destroy his property. No, because even though you, you know, the property will be go down to his kids. And even though you can stop him and he deserves to be, you know, stopped and maybe punished, but it's not it's not fair to the kids. Maybe you'll have kids that are that are good kids and not as Rashaim like him. The righteous the, the wicked man will prepare and the righteous one will wear it. So, you know, he's amassing all of this wealth. And again, maybe part of the issue is that maybe he gets paid for this service to the government. Okay, maybe that's is part of it. Anyway, so the kids at least, why should you destroy the property, you know, let at least, you know, his kids get it. Um, which is interesting because still, even if that's a, uh, you know, a concern, it's also not fair that the kids don't have a father. You know, <laughs> you have to do stuff in order to protect the interests of the community if this was really seen as endangering the community. Yeah, that was about, right, that was about the kids returning stolen objects. Right. Okay, anyway, this is a, that's a, this is a little bit of a digression.
question going back to yesterday's discussion. Back to buy, um, well, we'll see what this is. Sharecropper, again, it's not, this is no longer, this is now actually continuing to some degree with the digression. It's no longer a question about whether um, you assume it's stolen goods or not, but about, uh, well, we'll see, about like, uh, let, let's read it. Rav Chizda Havileyahu Arisa, he had a sharecropper. Rav He would weigh and give, weigh and take. So what's the matter with that? So Rashi says it means, well, maybe it means that he would be overly precise in the division. He wouldn't sort of just like, you know, he was so big deal. People are entitled to be precise and give, making sure they're getting exactly what's coming to them. So the other explanation Rashi has is he would divide it 50-50 and normal sharecroppers get only like a quarter or a third. But still, if that's the deal that Rav Chizda made, big deal. Okay, you made the deal, live with it. So the Marsha has the better explanation. I think the Marsha says it means that he would, he would take with one set of measures and he'd give with another set of measures, meaning it's the Evan Va'avid, right? So when I weigh up my 10 pounds, I'm using one set of weights. When I weigh up the 10 pounds you, the owner, gets, I use a different set of weights, okay? So anyway, he was cheating Rav Chizda, okay? So, okay, so Rav Chizda basically removed him. He fired him, okay? Karanache, so Rav Chizda said about himself, um, and, you know, uh, uh, treasured away for the righteous person is the wealth of the sinner. So it's interesting. He fired him and what? He took his portion? I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe that was a clause in the contract that if you know, that you forfeit your whatever. But anyway, it's a similar, it sort of echoes both points before. Number one is he was stealing from the owner. And number two is, you know, the wealth of the, of the wicked can go to somebody who deserves it. All right. Nezimah says like this. Kimati, um, now, Kimati tvas ki ki yishal eloha nafshal. Now we're going to look at a different pasuk. What benefit is it? Now, fascinating. It took us 118 daf to finally get to the, to the, you know, issue of transgression. Right? The entire Masechet was all about the consequences, of the, 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 the sort of, you know, uh, financial consequences of theft and mazik and chovel and all of that. Almost completely absent was the issue about, um, about like how usher it is and how bad it is what the person is doing. And sometimes it was, it was really a problem because it talked about, you know, takanas hashalim, takanas, you know, and, and, and the Ghanav doesn't have to pay for this and he's like, Gotham can keep the usage and all these types of things which really bothered us. Finally, now at the end, the Gemara is turning to the question about how terrible this act of theft is. So let's take a look. What good is it for the flatterer um, or, you know, um, other, uh, there's other t- uh, how do they translate the word Hanaf? Hypocrite. Okay. Um, if, he, um, if he steals, he says, like to take money that is not his, he shall the Lord will remove his soul. So, it means the soul of the person he is stealing from, which means you say you're just stealing this person's wealth, but you are not you are not appreciating the enormity of your action. Your taking of his wealth really is a type of a murder. Of course, why it turns it to God? God will take his soul. But okay, it means you know he'll die. You know, you, you, so you effectively can cause his, his him to be taking an act of taking his life. No, it means God will punish, will kill the Gazlin. Okay, either way, it's talking about the enormity of the sin. These are the ways of all who take ill-gotten gain. They take the soul of the owner of the property. They think they're just taking property, but they're actually taking the person's life. No, God will take the soul of the Gazlin. Do not steal from the poor person. You think, ah, he's a poor person, you can get away from him, away with it. Do not trample down on the, uh, on, the, in, uh, um, on the poor person in the gate. God will come and, defend, and, and fight their fight. 
fight, the Kabbalah Kobehem Mafesh, and will steal from their stealers a soul. Meaning, so you stole from them, God will take away your soul. Okay? Now, the one that says it's the soul of the Goslin, what does he do with his other Pasuk that says that when you take, you, you take their soul, the soul of the owner, which seems to be the Nigzal, the one who is stolen from? No, my Balav, Balav the Hashta. No, no, no. It means God will take the soul of the current owner, again, of the Goslin. So the Goslin will be punished as a result. That it says that if you say it focuses on it's like taking the soul of the Nigzah, what about the verse that says that God will steal the, their soul of the Gaza? And of course, you can say both are true. Some can talk about killing the Nigzah, others can talk about the Gaza being deserving of death. But no, but someone says, so that's essentially what the answer is. Matam Kamar, Matam why will God? Take the soul, you know, murder, not murder, whatever, execute the, uh, the, the, the Goslin, take the soul of the Goslin, Mishum the Kavoyin office, because the Goslin took the soul of the Nigzal. Both are true. It's like murdering the Nigzal, and therefore you're deserving of death. Okay, so finally we get this, like, you know, the, 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 the exhortations about it are finally coming at the way end of the Mesechet, and, you know, and really talking about the enormity of it. It's like you actually murdered, especially a poor person, they can't put food on the table. Okay, how tragic that is. What's the force? No, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's from the word keva. You have to ask the biblical grammarians, but it seems more to be like to to seize, to steal, yeah. to take. Okay, I'm Rabbi Yochanan. So now just saying it as a straight statement, not a different drash of a pasuk, and really emphasizing, even if it's just a dollar, actually a pruta is more like a penny, um, even if you just take a penny, it's like you took their soul. Reading the pasuk like to one of the readings before, it's uh, the simple sense of the pasuk. It is like taking their soul. Okay, the Omer, and it says, "The Achal Ktircha Velach Mecha." You, um, uh, they will he, he the you know this, the the Ganav will eat your uh, bread and your and your harvest. Banechov Nosecha. It will be like Yochlu Banechov Nosecha is really the side of the It'll be like they are destroy, killing your children. Um, the Omer and the verse says. Now, of course, the simple sense is, is that if you need the money and you're poor and you can't put food on the table and so on, but I think. Also, there's a sense here of, you know, uh, particularly of like that, uh, of, um, of, of violation, right? Particularly in the case of Geneva, but it's true, I mean, even in Gzela as well. In Geneva, they talk about that sense of law, losing that sense of security in your own home with the one place you thought you were protected, right? And now it's being just sort of, you know, violated. So there's that, so I think that's also a piece of it. The Omer, it also says, um, from the Hamas, now Hamas is understood rabbinically to mean taking something and paying the owner but forcing the owner to sell when the owner didn't want to sell. Okay, so because of the Hamas of the sons of Yehuda, they have spilled, uh, you know, innocent blood. So just even, thank you so much, just just like taking, um, okay, just, um, you know, uh, uh, just the act of Hamas is like spilling blood. Sure. The Omer, and it says, El Sha'ul el Beit HaDamim, for Sha'ul in the house of blood, Al Givonim. He killed the Givonim. And the was going to say he didn't actually directly kill the Givonim. What he did was he prevented them from earning a livelihood. Okay, so my Omer, why do you need all four Psukim? Because you're going to say, Nefesh day. Yes, it's like you took the soul of the person you stole from. Of Nefesh Banav of Nosav Lo, but it's not as bad as actually killing their children. Tashma, Basar Banav of Nosav. No, it says like you took the, the flesh from their children, you killed their children, you prevented them from, being, from getting you know, fed. 
That's only if you steal without reimbursing. If you steal and you reimburse, so at least the guy has money to put food on the table. He might have lost his object. So maybe that's not so bad. It's not like you, it's bad, but it's not like you killed him. Hamas meaning he understood to mean taking and forcing a guy to sell. They spilled innocent blood. Okay, so again, there really, it's not like just the guy doesn't have money to put food on the table. It really is that sense of, you know, violation, being stripped of things that are part of you, and so on. Um, that's only if you directly took it. If you indirectly caused it, you would not say that. That Shaul killed the Givonim. Where did we ever find that Shaul killed the Givonim? Because he wiped out Nov, the city of Kohanim. So he, so he destroyed the business of the Givonim. Because the Givonim, you know, were put to work for the base of Mikdash, or, you know, for the Mikdash, um, and they were working for the Kohanim. So when he wiped out the city of Kohanim, there goes the, uh, the jobs of all the Givonim that were working for them. So, and so, so, um, um, uh, so it's like he killed the Givonim as well. Okay, so here you have some very heavy, like, rhetoric about the, uh, about how terrible, you know, an exhortations, which, like, again, it's quite fascinating that this is left to the very last daf. Yes. <laughs> Right. Right. So I don't know. You know, I would say so. That's I think the question that we're supposed to be asking the juxtaposition of it's so terrible, and then you have this to kind of shove him, and if he uses an object, he doesn't have to pay for it, and if he makes the animal fatter, he can ask for the money difference, and he can say Harisha To some degree, I think it's sort of this balance between I. I don't know if I call it idealism, but anyway, idealism and realism. Like, okay, it's a terrible sin, but you know, you gotta have certain. But but in order to get people to give the objects back, and in order to actually address the real issues, you know, it's sort of like uh, not to get political, but it's sort of like you know, people that sort of talk about law and order and let's lock them all up is not necessarily the best way to address the problems of crime in society, right? So I think that that's part of it. Like, yes, it's a terrible thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the right way of making society run more smoothly and more justly, you know, comes from, you know, overly harsh reaction to this. I don't know. Now, it still seems to us it was a little bit too soft to the rest of the Masechet, but I do think there's a difference between how terrible the sin is and what the practical solution is. Yes. With, 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 with respect, there's a better example from last night. Uh-oh. Let's not get too political. Yes. Yes. Yeah, example. Listen, you didn't pay your taxes, but that was the law. I used the law. <laughs> I used the law. So that's, yeah. I, I used, I was that's the flip side of it. Exactly. Right. Right. So meaning that's exactly. not... Right. Meaning, yeah, I think that that is the, the thing, that there seem to be way too many loopholes. Right? But, but I do think that there is saying that there's a difference between, like, what the law and what the sort of best societal response is and what the whatever is. Okay. So now it goes like this. Um... Don't do business with them anymore. Okay. You can buy from uh, women um, in different places things that's normal for them to sell. What did it say in the Mishnah again? Um, uh, wool garments in Judea and, and linen garments in the Galilee and so on. Okay. Because you're not afraid that they're doing it without their husband's permission. That's like a standard uh, business that women do in those areas. Again, with the assumption that all the property is their husband's. Wool garments in Judea 
in Judea, but do not buy from them, you know, wine and oil and flour. Um, you know, I don't know. Either you're either you're afraid that they are their husbands have you know uh, vineyard and they're doing it unjustly, or maybe they're just trying to make some money. So the money that they're supposed to be using, the wine they're supposed to be using for the house, they sell a little bit off to the side. So here's the you know whatever. The reality is very different from ours, where the husband totally controlled all of the and owned you know all the property. So those types of things you don't buy. That's not the norm for them to have the right to be selling those things. And you can't buy from slaves. Or not from children. Again, all these things are... You, the, the default assumption is they do not have the right to be doing this. Actually, no. Women are... You ever hear the idea of pin money? Right? So women actually are allowed to sell four and five. I don't know if four and five what. But anyway, to sell... Uh, uh, does Rashi say four and five what? Uh, no. Anyway, so I'm not sure if it's a number of objects or four. Uh, anyway, but she, you, she's allowed to sell a certain small number of things because for pin money, you know, in order to buy a little hat for her head. So yes, women do have a de- default permission from their husbands to see, you know, to sell, well, you know, you. I know, I don't know, to sell like small little things. Again, I don't know exactly what four and five is. Hamish of the sheep, I think so. What does the English say? Four and five what does it say? Four and five small objects? Four and five dinars. Oh, dinars. I was wondering if it was a money va- a money amount. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It was I did the Gemara. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Missed that word. Ha! Uh, there you go. Who needs English? It's in the Gemara. Okay. Anyway, four and five dinars. She can sell. Like, you know. Anyway, four and five dinars is not a small amount. A dinar is a large amount. Like, what is it? $20? $100? I don't know what it is. That's what it says. Anyway, does that mean? What does that mean? Every transaction can be four and five dinars? Or four and five dinner a month? Like, I don't know how you're supposed to determine that. Anyway, moving on. It's like, it's like when you get a check signed by a second person for, from your board. Right. Whatever, if it's big enough. Right. If it's under a certain amount, we trust her that she's like within what she's like. Ah, uh, so you just say every transaction within four and five dinner. Could be. Four and five dinner is a significant amount. I mean, not a trivial amount. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, in any of these cases, if they say keep it to yourself, keep it quiet, I'll sort of forbidden. Goodbye, Sadaka, Lokiman, Davar Muat, of now, if the question is who is getting from whom in this line, until now it means you can purchase from them. So now it's saying you can buy from Gabay Tzedakah a little thing and not no, a lot. I know, but I'm just saying you'll see the grammar won't work in the rest of it, okay? But yes, I agree here that, that, um, that the, 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 the sense of this line is Gabay Tzedakah can purchase from them, from women, like a little thing and not a lot. So I don't understand. They want to get like they want to get tzedakah. Do you assume this is stolen funds? Right, exactly. So I'm sorry. So it's not purchased. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Except you're right because that's going to come up at the end. So the gabbai tzedakah can accept small little donations, right? So they go knocking door to door, and the woman or the slave says, "Here's five dollars." The wife or the slave, you don't say, "All right, let's bring out your husband. Let me let me make sure he's okay with it." So the same way, there's a presumption that they can, you know, certain things they're allowed to sell. There's also a presumption that the master or the husband or whatever will be the father will be okay with them. Giving a little bit, of, a little amount of money or a little amount of their, you know, of their food, whatever, to the gabai tzedakah. So gabai tzedakah can take small donations from them. The habadidin lochimehem zeitim b'mida v'shemen b'mida. So now the uh, the uh, wine pressers, you know, the people that have the business of pressing, I'm sorry, of oil, other people's oil, you can take uh, large amounts of oil from them, similar to the discussion before about four and five sheep, because then you're not afraid that they're stealing it. Avelo zeitim b'muat but not a small amount of olives and of oil that you are afraid that they're stealing. Um, Reb Shimon Gamliel 
Omer lochimi nashim zeitim b'mo'ed. So I have the word b'mu'at. You can take uh, um, olives in a small amount or on yontif time um, from women. Begalil uh, halyon in the upper galley. Shapamim adam boshim kor apadach beitav v'notin lishal mocheret, which is really lovely. A person is afraid to sell such small amounts, like right? it's announcing maybe that he does not have, you know, how, how how hard up he is that he has to sell like even you know these small amounts. So because it is more societally acceptable for women to sell small amounts, as we've seen. Then for men, men if they're having a business, why are you selling these tiny little things? So sometimes he gets his wife to do it for him. So even though this, uh, so so anyway, whatever, so whatever those circumstances are, since women will more often sell small amounts, even things that we maybe did not list before were normally sold by women. Sometimes you can buy from women. Um, the women of Mechuza came out. They threw to him. Like uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, necklaces and uh, and bracelets, gold, you know, golden objects to give to tzedakah. He was there collecting tzedakah. Kavuminayu he accepted. Amli Rabbi Tosva, the Ravina. So Rabbi Tosva said to Ravina, "Vatanya gabay tzedakah mekabli mehen davar muat avlo davar meruba." You can only take except from women small donations, not big donations. Amalei he said back, "Honey, me leave name. Honey, leave name. Mechuzah davar muat. Me name mechuzah are very wealthy. So for them, this counts as a small donation." Okay, that's anyway. So that is taking things that you're afraid might be stolen um, alright Mishnah um, and even you know things that are not like te- we would not consider like technically stolen you know to us of course you know the whole patriarchal sort of aspect obviously is very difficult but that was the reality of society so you know to put like the positive light like you know bracketing obviously the whole patriarchal nature but the point is even if you're like working even if you're a member of the household you, have, you, you can't give something away if you don't have rights to it you know and this is like an issue that comes up all the time like you're dealing with a, you know, you're dealing in a store with a, uh, you know, the employee, or whatever, you know, or somebody, a waiter, or whatever. This is, don't take, just don't worry about it. It's on the house, or just take it, or whatever, something like that. Well, you're not the owner. Are you allowed? To, do you have the right to tell me that it's on the house? You know, so I mean, those are real questions, right? That come up, you know. So, um, and, you know, and uh, employees helping themselves is a little bit different, you know, to, to you know, to stuff that's in the, uh, you know, the uh, the what is it called, the supply closet, right? So the idea here that even though you to certain degree are part of, you know, it's not out and out theft, but it still is gzela if you don't have them, if you don't have rights to that. All right, you know, it's the whole issue about how people rationalize. They actually did a study once where they put out like a um, bottle of soda, an unmarked bottle of soda, like in you know in the whatever the employee lounge, and like they saw like you know people would like help themselves to it, right? You know, and then they would put like a, just a dollar on the table, and nobody would take it. So like the things we can rationalize to ourselves, ah, it's just soda. I'm sure that anybody would be okay with me, whatever, <laughs> right? So either what. Instead of saying that clearly it's meant to be taken, right. Anyway, alright, so, next Mishnah. Muchin, um, so that's how the Gemara ends, okay, um, with this real technical discussion of, like, what property, if you're working for somebody, is it assumed that they're okay with you keeping? And which, and you know, and what do you have to know technically it belongs to the owner, and we can't assume they're okay with you keeping it to yourself. Okay, to the point that it's so 
technical and tiny, but to me it's very powerful in terms of what it shows about how precise and careful you have to be. Okay, so Muchin Shakovis Moti If a the launderer has takes out some of the stuffing from a pillow or whatever, some of it falls out in the process, it's assumed he that the owner doesn't care, he's allowed to keep it. So Moti But if the comer I don't know if comer flax or I don't know exactly what these professions are. Anyway if some of the of the material comes out in the combing, he has to return it to the owner it's consumed that the owner wants that back. Kovis noto gimachutim ben shalo. The 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 launderer um, the, can t- takes three strings. Strings. They would sometimes put strings at the bottom of a garment, and he would like remove them, you know, to uh, in the process. Like maybe they would be strings that would like sew the socks together or something. Anyway, so he takes up those three strings, and those are assumed that he can keep. Yosemikan, any more strings available, Shabbat it goes to the owner. Imayo shachor gabi lavan. If these strings at the bottom of the garment were black on white, no, let's call the angel. Clearly, they don't belong on the garment, and he can take it all and keep it. Hachayat shishir achut kedeli tforbo. If a tailor leaves over a uh, thread. Red, and it's long enough thread that you can actually use it to uh, to sew to do another time a stitch with or a little patch of uh, clothing that is three by three uh, finger breaths it's assumed that the owner if that's what's left over again this is somebody that you've hired to do you've presumably given them the material and then they have to give you this material back it's assumed that the owner still wants that now how about a carpenter so anything that falls off he's like you know again you gave him the, the lumber and he's there and he's uh, planing it or whatever he's doing so if it, something comes off the ma'atzad which is I think some type of a plane harei'ilu shalow those are considered to be like small chips and the owner doesn't care and he gets to keep it so the kashio things that come up with a hatchet those are bigger chips harei'ilu shalabayis then it's concerned that the owner does want those wood chips and you have to give it to the owner but if he was working he was sort of brought into the owner's home and you know sent down to the owner's like uh, you know whatever uh, uh, you know work you know, you know, workroom in the in the basement. Then even like the uh, even the uh, what do you call it? The uh, sawdust belongs to the balabais. If you're working in the house, it's assumed that you leave everything for the owner. If you're working in your house, some things are so trivial you don't have to deliver back to the owner. You can uh, purchase from a launderer, you can purchase like some of the stuffing material, because as we read in the Mishnah, uh, if it falls out, he's allowed to keep it. Okay, you can also take two of the upper strings, upper threads, I don't know the exact reality, but again, I, the way I imagine it, it's sort of something like sometimes they sew your socks together, you know, when they launder them, so they don't, whatever, so he removes those threads and he keeps it. Uh, this is something I didn't really fully understand. It's some type of a way that he weaves in some thread so that when you pull the garment, the garment can stretch. And it says that he should not, he should not uh, put into the garment more than three of these. Uh, I really don't understand what it's talking about. When he is now, what's interesting is because now we're no longer going on what are the small little things he's allowed to keep, but we're actually talking to him. It's fascinating that this is here about how he has to do his job, the technical ways in which you have to do the job to protect the property of the, pers- uh, of the person who you're doing. So we're giving like him instructions on like how to launder clothing in a way that respects the property of the person. Okay? So somehow by putting in more than three of these stitches it might hurt the, hurt the clothes. I don't know exactly what those stitches are. And this is when you're combing the garment don't comb it. I forget which is the warp and which is the wolf. What's, what does it say? What's, one of them is the warp and the other is warp. Warp. Okay. Anyway, one of you is warp and one is warp. So 
so when you when you're combing the garment, comb it towards the sheti, but not towards the arev, right? The wolf. Warp. warp. Okay, now, now that now what? I don't know if that helps because I don't know what warp is. I don't know what warp is. Anyway, fine. Comb it, it, it like you know, like when they say when you cut meat, like cut against the grain, right? So when you comb, do you comb like in this way or in that way? So comb with the warp and not, to, but not with the wolf. Because apparently the other way will damage the garment. Okay. If you have to what? The vertical threads of the warp. What? The vertical threads of the vertical ones are the warp. Okay. Well, but okay. And chassis is the warp. So you comb it vertically and not horizontally. Okay, I guess that means you're like stretching something more vertical. It seems that that's more going with the grain than against the grain. Yeah, what? Right, that goes. Oh, I see. Right. It goes through like that. Okay, so you go with the warp and not with the wolf. Now, if you let's say have to trim a garment, right, to get it even or whatever, I, I, something like that. So it says, trim it at the length, not at the width, because you can always like make the length a little. If you imagine something, you know, that's like uh, I don't know. If you, ma- I, I'm trying to think. Like if you imagine I don't know a scarf, right? So if you trim the edges, you trim the length, so you have a slightly shorter scarf, but it's even. But if you trim the width, it's like clearly that more compromises the integrity of the garment if you're trimming the width and if you're trimming the length. Um, okay. The imbalash voso atefach rishai. And if you have to really like make it even, you can even up to a tefach trim off if it's necessary to like even out the garment. So it's so funny. It's basically just telling you how to do your job in a way that respects the property of the owner. Alright? And you don't just assume like that the market will take care uh, you know, will take care of that, right? Like this guy does a bad job. You know, this guy don't give your garments to him. They do it in a way that ruins the garments well, or whatever. So you trim off the tefach, right? Yeah. We we'll get that piece. Well, that's an interesting question, but that's not a di- what's directly being addressed well, here. No, it's not all about who gets it, like which way you comb the garment. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a little connected because if I comb it one way, it'll produce more threads that I'll be able to keep for myself. Maybe that's true. Anyway, so anyway, he gets to keep two threads. Don't we say that up to three threads he gets to keep? Are they six threads or thin threads? Thick? Two. Thin? Three. Arvo, do not comb it to the uh, with the warp, the length, but rather the wi- the wolf, the width. Okay, Vatanya Ipcha. Don't we have a phrase that says the opposite? Go the width, w- the, the the wolf, and not the warp. Rokasha habaglima habesarvula. Is it a cloak or is it a coat? What difference does it make? So Rashi basically says that a. Let me remind myself what Rashi says. Rashi says a a sarvula is a like is a uh, made more for the appearances. So when you do it for the the chassis way, the now I'm the warp way. Anyway, the kids are one way it looks nicer, the other way it lasts longer. Okay, so it's like you know when, when I go to the dry cleaner, they have this sign up that says something like you know I don't know get your clothes dry cleaned regularly. But I think if like you read the literature, like if you over dry clean your clothes, it's not good for them in terms of them lasting long. So some things make it look one way makes it look nicer, the other thing makes it last longer. And so something that's basically for looking nice, you do it in the way to make it look nicer. The thing that's there more for you know, just keeping you warm, you do it in a way that makes it last longer. Okay, so now Agmar says like this, don't put more of these three stitches in it that are made for stretching it. Um, when, what counts as stitch? You know, up and down is one stitch. So don't do three, you know, up and downs. Going in one way and coming back out the other way counts as two. So, you know, take you. All right, we don't know. 
you trim it lengthwise but not widthwise. Vatani Ipcha, Bryce says the opposite. One is a cloak and the other is a hamyune, which Rashi says is um, uh, that basically you see more the edge, the, the lengthwise edges. You don't see the widthwise edges. So trimming it, I don't exactly know what it is. What does it say? It is like a belt. I think it's a belt, oh, right? Yeah, so if it's a belt, somehow Rashi says that trimming the width is not as apparent as trimming the length. Because I mean, there no here the length is not. Visible when it's warm. Right, when it's visible, you don't see the length, so it's more important to have a good-looking width than it is. Cause the length could be a little bit uneven because it overlaps, I guess, when you when you tie it around yourself. Okay, When it comes to a comber as opposed to a launderer, you cannot buy the. Uh, Stuffing, because he's not entitled to that. But in places where the uh, custom in the commu- is that he gets to keep it, lokin, then you can purchase it from him. In any places you can buy from people pillows filled with stuffing, because my time, why? Even if he stole the stuffing, now it's a shinoi. So again, here we just have like, you know, completely, aren't you helping him provide a market? Maybe again, you don't have to suspect him. Maybe it's even if he stole it, it was a shinoi. But again, it gets back to those interesting questions of providing a market. You do not buy from a weaver. Neither Irin and Nirin, which is... Oh, Rashi, it's basically like the warp and the woof that's like around the uh, shuttle. Is that what it's called? The shuttle or whatever? Mm-hmm. The spindle? Okay. So, again, because all of that, if there's any leftover thread, it all goes to the owner. And all of these are different types of things that are, I don't know, how do they translate it? Different types of things that are left on the, on the, uh, on the loom or something. What did I say there? Bobbins. Bobbins, yeah. I looked it up in the English too. Bobbins, that helps me a lot. Okay. I thought, I thought, I thought Bobbins was from The Hobbit. Isn't his name? <laughs> this is Bagins. It's where the thread comes yeah. from. Okay, anyway, you don't buy these different types of things which are part of the threading of which are the, you know, the, the threads that are used or the implements because those are all belong to the owner. Of a Loki man begging Minumar, but what you can buy is is a garment that is made out of pa- a patchwork garment. Even though reasonably you could say, where did he get all those patches? Hmm, I wonder. Okay, nevertheless, okay, because of this idea of he's kone with a shinoi, even if he stole those patches, and hopefully he didn't, but he's kone with a shinoi. Vesheti Tavui Vari also buy from them warp and woof if it is spun or woven. Because again, even though he's not supposed to keep the warp and woof, if he did keep it, if he did steal it, at least he's kone with a shinoi, because he has now spun and woven it. Amri, so now the Gwen says, Hashta, Tavi Shakil, if you can take it once it's spun, all of me by, of course, once it's woven, the weaving comes after the spinning. So, of course, it's more of a shinoi. So, my says, no, my Ari, Tichi. No, woven would mean here, not woven after spinning, but a type of a twisted, twisted string. So, with, uh, it's not spun, but it's twisted instead. But either of those is a shinoi. Tanabaran, Enochin Minat Savah, you do not buy from a dyer. Well, neither um, samples or um, uh, tests or samples. Rashi says that an oat is basically uh, you bring him a little bit of, of clothing and you say, here, 
practice the dye on this piece of the, of, of the garment before you do it on the whole garment. And a dugma, an example, is you actually say, here's, here's an example of the color I want the garment to look like in the end. Okay? So these are little things that the owner would give to the dyer so he would be able to test or know what the owner wanted. And obviously now if the dyer is selling these little samples, you uh, can't buy them from him because we presume the owner wants them back. Okay? So it's quite fascinating. Even these tiny little things, we assume the owner wants them back. The road solution shall and not, uh, you know, not sort of things plucked off wool from presumably garments that he was working with. Because, you know, in the process of dyeing, some wool comes off. He assumed the owner wants it back. A Loki man begged Savua. But if you can buy a actual dyed garment, because maybe, you know, who knows, maybe the owner said, forget it, you ruined it, keep it, or whatever, you know, and even if he did steal it, he was Kona with a Shinoi. So it would be interesting that Seva is a Shinoi. You know, what is that? A Shinoi Hashem? Is that really a Shinoi? Anyway, Tavui, um, um, Beget Tavua, Tavui Begadim, um, Tavui Ubegadim, and spun wool and, clo- and clothes, because all of those things that she got the raw wool, we assume by spinning it and making it into clothes, he was Kona it. Hashta Tavui Shakil, if it's just spinning the wool, he, you can buy it, because he's Kona with a Shinoi. Begadim, you buy it, so certainly once it's already a garment. So the Gemara says, My Begadim, no, clothes mean not a whole woven garment, it means like a piece of felt. So that was not spun, it was a pressed piece of wool. Also that, you can buy from him. Again, no, the prison... I know, I know. Right. You give leather to the tanner to turn into, you know, you give skin to the tanner to turn into leather, okay? So the, uh, cut off the trimmed pieces of the, um, of the, of the, of, of the piece of the skin and the sort of the hair that comes off in the process of working the skin I'm sorry I think I misread that anyway that goes to the owner you assume the owner wants the trimmed pieces of leather but the sump that comes off when you're, you're submerging it in water whatever pieces come to the top of the water you get to keep that um, again all this stuff seems so tiny and trivial but to me it's like very beautiful you know that A the second ends with finally some exhortations about how bad it is to steal and B this tiny sense of like every little penny you have to be exacting about do I have a right mm-hmm. to keep this you know this little stuff that was left over it's not mine like you know so that gets back to the point of even if you steal a pruta it's like you steal the life you have to really care about every little pruta I find it very powerful um, okay um um uh, if it was black thread on white, then even if it's multiple threads, the uh, launderer can keep it. I'm Rev Yudah. Kitsra Shmei, the, the name of a uh, launderer in Aramaic is Kitsra. For Kitsra Shakil, and he can take the stuff at the edge of the garment, the, the strings at the edge of the garment. Okay? Um, or what he Rashi says, what he sort of trims off the garment. Those extra threads that are added at the bottom of the garment, even though they're normally taken off by the by the uh, launderer, if you don't take them off, then they uh, they count towards tchelat, meaning tzitzis. What does that mean? It means you put your tzitzis, you have to put them not at the very edge of the garment, but like a little bit inset into the garment. Okay, so where do you measure the, the edge of the garment from which you have to go, you know, inset the tzitzit? So here it says you measure it, if those three strings are on, you measure it from those strings. You don't have to pretend like the strings aren't there and go more into the garment. Okay, which you could have easily said opposite. You could have said if those threads are meant to be removed, then you're not understanding, Jenna? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how you knew that that's what I would have thought it meant. Then you do have to start from 
well, meaning no, meaning look at Rashi. It's Rashi says Osen Shlosha. It's like eight lines down in the left hand side, um, or from the narrow lines. Osen Shlosha Chudinim Lo Katsran Hakoves. If they were not cut off, Olin Lemidas Malik Kesher Godel Shetar Laharchikatat Chelat. You have to keep the you have to put the Chelat Shaltzitzis. You have to put it meaning a the size of a you know of of a what do you call it of like a thumb width away from the edge of the garment. Misfat Habegem Sechus Menachot. Right, so it's like if you look at a normal tzitzit, right, the strings are coming down like from this. Yeah. Like you ever see it, like right, yeah. right. So it has to be this width from the edge of the garment. Right. So where do you start counting the edge? So if the three, if these three strings are still here, you count the edge from the they, they're included in the garment. Even you don't pretend as if well they're made to be removed. They're not part of the garment. If you're not removing them, they are part of the garment. So you just it's not yeah you don't you don't have to move it in you can move it in from this point and not from that point right so it's just a technical point of where do you start your sister string from okay um, the Yitzhak free capitali but Yitzhak my son is mocked he doesn't like count the garment starting there he only counts the garment starting after the three strings if the uh, if the uh, tailor leaves over a thread that's enough as the size of a needle or whatever no enough to, uh, to to thread with it to make a stitch then then it goes to the owner. Then it's enough. It's significant enough that it goes back to the owner. Again, the owner provided the thread. Okay. The comma leap for how much is enough thread to stitch with? Um, the length of the needle outside of the needle. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Does it mean the length of the needle plus outside of the needle another needle's length? So essentially it's two needles length. Or the length of the needle plus a little bit more. Like you know, to go out through the hole of the needle. Tashma, Titania, Hachayit Shishir Tachut Pachot Michtei Litforbo. If the if the uh, tailor leaves over a string not enough to stitch with, Umakli Shib Chusam Shalosh Shalosh or Shalosh or a little pat less than three by three finger widths. Bizman Shabalabais Makvidaleyan Arayelu Shabalabais Sunur. So meaning the owner's still entitled to get them if he wants to. The default in these cases when it's that small is that the tailor keeps it, but that doesn't mean the owner isn't entitled to ask for it back if he wants to. So if the owner is makvid, you give it to the owner. If he's not makvid, which is the presumption in this case, he gets to keep it. So So if you say that the amount that goes to the owner is when it's a double needle length, so so we understand why you have to say less than that goes to the tailor, because less than that is at least somewhat usable. You can use it to make like a uh, what is a sikhsa again here? Oh, one of those stitches that we discussed earlier that you make in these garments. Um, so, but if the only thing that the owner gets, I mean, if the owner gets, excuse me, up to the point that it's even just a needle length plus a little bit more, so, so if less than that goes to the tailor, less than that, well, what do you use a tiny little piece of thread a half a centimeter wide for? You know, why are we even saying it goes to the tailor? Nobody has any use for it. So we're talking about something a little bit bigger, so less than that is at least could be it's meaningful to say it belongs to the table there's some way to use something smaller than that shmamina that makes sense alright Masha Harash what the carpenter sort of comes off from the planing that goes to the carpenter and what comes off from the you know the hatcheting that goes to the owner 
So, Ramini, I'll ask you on this. Mashachar Shmoti b'ma'atzad, what comes off through, I think again this means a plane, v'anisak b'ma'gera, and stuff that comes off with a saw, hare elu it goes to the owner. So our mission said the ma'atzad goes to the carpenter, and this brighter says that the plane, the stuff that comes off with the plane goes to the owner. Okay, and the end of the brighter is, v'ayoti mitakas miktach, or makteach, how do you find out this? What? Makdeach. Okay, which is an awl, right? You know, like a pointy thing that you make a hole in. So that's tiny little shavings that don't do anybody any good. Okay, umitachas rihatni, and from a uh, rihatni, which is, I have no, no idea what that is. A plane, they say. A pl- that's a plane? or something that came with a saw, but not because you're sawing it like, you know, you know, like down. You're sort of shaving it with a saw. So those smaller things, the carpenter gets to keep it. So anyway, we got the problem. In our mission, it says the Magera, the carpenter, keeps it. Here it says the Magera, the owner, keeps it. So Amarava, but also the Tana Didan, in the place of our Tana of our Mishnah, Ikatarti. There are two types of Mageras. Um, Chatsini, uh, uh, Ikatarti Chatsini. There are two types of Chatsini as a Magera. Okay, Lurabasi Karle Kashal. So, I mean, actually, not Magera, Ma'atzad. Okay, so the, 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 uh, the big one they call a Kashal. Ulezutasi, the small one, Karle Ma'atzad. They call it Ma'atzad. So that's why I mentioned said, the stuff from the Ma'atzad goes to the carpenter, and from the Kashal goes to the owner. Because that basically means the small and the big version of this Ma'atzad. Okay? The Azad Tana Brahvi, in the place of the other Tana, the bright that we quoted, Chadhu, there's only one, they only have one of these Ma'atzads, and it's the big one. The Karlu Ma'atzad, and they call it a Ma'atzad. And therefore, since it's, therefore they say the Ma'atzad goes to the owner, because they're talking about the big version. Our Mishnah says, the Ma'atzad goes to the carpenter, because when you have two types the matzad you use for the small version and that goes to the garment or the bigger version is what goes to the owner fine but if the guy was working in the owner's you know workspace then everything gets left to the owner okay people that uh, you know carve stones there's no taking the remnants of the pebbles that's not considered stealing because again that's the case I guess you assume any of the stuff that comes off from the carving of the stones the owner doesn't want people that like a tr- uh, prune tree, uh, trees and prune uh, vines menaksehigi or that they uh, cut down you know cut uh, uh, bush, uh, thorn bushes menaksehzroim uh, or they weed uh, you know uh, for you know in uh, gardens v'odayirakot or they remove uh, you know vegetables extra extra like crowded vegetables so in all these cases do they get to get the stuff that they're pulling out of the ground these manchabalabais makbidaleim if the owner wants them yeshven then it is a problem. He doesn't care. Of course, it would be nice if we told you what the default was. Okay? Until now, we've been saying what the default is. This doesn't really help. Maybe it means you know, there's no default. You have to clarify in each case. Which are different types of things that are grow with the grain. Okay? Um, and, uh, you know, so if you basically like... Uh, um, uh, I don't know. How do they explain what kashus? Hops and green grain. So I think sometimes these are cut down and then they regrow. And the classic thing would be to you that to cut them and to have the grain go again. So you're working. Okay. Anyway, so you're working for the owner again. Is it something that you get to keep this or not? So he says the default. Is, so um, so he says the default is that you do get to keep them. But if the owner says he wants them, then it is a problem. And Masimachasya, it's a place where we assume that people are mocked and therefore.
therefore it is a Gezel problem. Again, ending on a very mundane note, but I actually think it's a very beautiful note, you know. It's basically, it ends with telling you whether you're allowed to keep paper clips, you know, from your supply closet, right? I mean, and that's the stuff that we all need work on, is that type of uh, care in the tiny little issues. Hadulach ha-gozobazos, sikalach meseches pabakama. 